Hello there, and welcome once again to Insight Peterborough. I'm Devin Wilkins. Insight Peterborough is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And if you'd like to learn more about the CCB, as it is fondly known, you can write, uh, send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com ccbpeterborough at gmail.com Well, I should begin by wishing you a very happy International Assistance Dog Week. Uh, That happens in August from uh, this year, from August 2nd to 8th. It's always the first full week of August. The founder and coordinator of the week is a lady in New Mexico, Santa Fe, New Mexico. And we're going to have a chat with her because there are some assistance dogs here in Peterborough. And uh, so this is a good time, if you don't know about assistance dogs, to learn about them. So here's my chat with Marcy Davis. Well, first of all, Marcy, welcome back to the program. It's good to have you again. Thank you. It's great to be back. So just for the benefit, maybe, of people who don't know, um, what are assistance dogs? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, there is some confusion out there about what is an assistance dog. And basically, the term assistance is an umbrella that really covers several different types of dogs that assist people with disabilities, like myself. Um, And those are different types. Like, the ones we know of that usually come to mind the quickest are guide dogs for people who are blind or who have limited vision. Um, But there are lots of other types. There are mobility dogs that help somebody like me who uses a wheelchair. There are seizure alert dogs that help someone who may need to be alerted if they're diabetic and their blood sugar is fluctuating. Um, There's lots, and you know, and what's really amazing, Devin, is it's expanding. I know when I got my first assistance dog way back almost 30 years ago, you know, there were just service dogs and guide dogs, and that was pretty much it. But mm-hmm. now we're just beginning to learn all the different ways that dogs can assist people with different needs. And so I think of, of that term assistance dogs as that umbrella that covers all those different types of dogs and also hearing dogs that assist someone who is deaf or has hearing loss. So amazing things that dogs can do for people with with limitations. It's awesome. Yeah, we seem to be finding out more and more uh, things that uh, dogs can do for us, aren't we? Yes, yes. It seems like we're just at the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, even now, you know, we're seeing dogs that are, are able to, to sniff out different viruses and all kinds of different things. It's really amazing, and they are such an incredible tool and gift to us, that's for sure. Yeah. So what was it that, that 
kind of spurred you on to apply for the uh, possibility of having a, a week to honor assistance dogs? Well, you know, I had my first service dog, um, Ramona. Lovey is my current dog. <laughs> um, they're both they're both black labs and very similar in their personalities, both little stinkers. <laughs> but I, I had Ramona, and she just changed my life. You know, it was such a game changer getting getting my first service dog. And when she passed away, I was devastated at the loss of her. Mm-hmm. And so that that encouraged me to write a book about her and, and service dogs called Working Like Dogs. And I, I put down all the experiences I had had and hoping that that would help other people. And after I did that, you know, I just kept one, and I did that as, as a way to honor Ramona and her memory. Mm-hmm. And and I wanted to do more, you know, and as I learned more and as I got my second dog and I had such a great relationship with him and he was so incredible, I met his puppy raiser who was amazing, and so was Ramona's as well. Cool. And so I wanted to do something bigger that could really, really highlight and celebrate not only these incredible canines, but also all the trainers and the volunteers and the donors, you know, because you know how much goes into mm-hmm. creating one of these animals. It's not just something that happens overnight. And so that was really it. I wanted to honor all the dogs and all the incredible people that contributed to those dogs' success. And have you received lots of uh, support over the years? Oh, my goodness, yes. Well, it started out, I was doing it only in the United States, but it so quickly became obvious that it needed to be international. So I actually changed it from (laughs) national to international because we had so many countries, and now I've lost count, Devin, of how many countries are celebrating it. It's just amazing. And, and again, because we're learning more, more people are getting dogs and service dogs, assistance dogs than they ever have before. And so, yeah, the word is spreading and the needs are spreading. So people are really interested and they want to celebrate these incredible canines. Mm-hmm. This pandemic is meaning that people are locked down uh, in various countries and various states and provinces and that sort of thing. Have you maybe come up with a list of alternative ways that that the uh, dogs can be celebrated? Well, you know, we are absolutely supporting Zoom, you know, and some of the online platforms for people to communicate and people to have events, even um, trainings and lots of, of opportunities that we can, we can be flexible, you know, as, as all of us are having to be. And it's certainly that flexibility and that creativity of finding other ways to celebrate is definitely translates to International Assistance Dog Week for sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, people are doing that. They're having um, celebrations. They're doing podcasts like yours and mine on Working Like Dogs and You know, they're just doing a lot of different things. They're writing articles. You know, there are lots of other formats other than gathering 
in the what we used to know as a gathering, there's lots of other ways to spread that word and message and to, to have those celebrations. So absolutely. And if uh, store owners or restaurant owners will let you in or take in a poster or whatever, uh, perhaps they could use uh, that kind of medium as well. Absolutely. That's a great idea. Yes. Yes. Really, the sky is the limit in, in creativity for spreading the word. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about your podcast that you mentioned Um where does it, where can people subscribe to it? Yeah, well, it's called Working Life Dogs, and people can find it on PetLifeRadio.com, and they can also find it at WorkingLikeDogs.com. And it is, I have so much fun on the website, I mean, on the, on the podcast, interviewing people from all over the world. And we just, you know, I just invite people on the show that, it's something that I want to know about. Mm-hmm. So we have guests that are, you know, that are experts in assistance dogs, but we also talk about other working dogs, you know, that are, you know, that work with law enforcement, that um, work in hospitals, you know, sniffing out different types of, of viruses. You know, so we just have a lot of, of fun interviewing people that have incredible working dogs and working animals even. We've had horses and birds and all kinds of, of animals um, on the show, which has just been such a delight, and I feel so honored to be able to visit with these people and to learn from them. How often does it uh, come on? You know, uh, my producer lets that be totally up to me, and I wish that I did more shows, Devin, but I also have a full-time job that keeps me pretty busy. Oh, wow. I, you know, I try to do the show, you know, whenever I see something that piques my interest. Yes. Um, if somebody that I want to talk to, mm-hmm. then that's when I will drop everything and do that. Because I think if it's something I'm interested in, then other people um, similar to me might be interested in it. So it's such a labor of love with no pressure that I get to schedule and, you know, and do, do interviews and do shows when it, when it works for my schedule, which is such a gift. Mm-hmm. Well, let's hear about your dog, Lovey. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, I am, Lovey is actually my fourth service dog, and she is a little black lab who is a little um, firecracker herself. She's got all kinds of ideas and attitudes and is very she's the most confident dog I've ever had <laughs> and I adore her she has really been amazing and she was trained by Assistance Dogs of the West which is actually an assistance dog organization here in Santa Fe New Mexico so I'm so fortunate that they're close by mm-hmm. and they've been such a wonderful agency to get my dog from and then I'm as I said, Lovey is starting the retirement process. Oh dear! And I have, I have started the successor dog process. Ah! Actually, about to get my fifth dog. Wow! And he is a golden retriever named Fenway. And you asked about the pandemic, and actually, it was really interesting. I went through the placement process of interviewing with dogs in December. And I met Fenway, but he was really young when I met him. But he and I hit it off so quickly 
that the trainers asked me if I was willing to wait for him, but they told me it would be about another year. And I said yes, because Lovey really wasn't ready to retire that day. I knew she had another year in her. Mm -hmm. So I said, yes, I'll wait for him. Well, they started letting him, they let him come to our house, you know, to meet Lovey and to meet um, my cats and, you know, get to know the house and see if we were a good match. Mm-hmm. And we were, so he was doing sleepovers. But in January and early February, when things started to change with the pandemic, they actually called me and asked me if I'd like to keep them while during the pandemic because they were looking for some places for their puppies mm. to be housed during the pandemic. Right. So I got to, to get him, which is really a new experience. I've never had that experience in getting a dog. So he has been living with us since February, and it's been really, and he goes to school still, and even during the pandemic, he's been going about twice a week um, so that he works with his trainers. But it's been a really different process. Mm-hmm. Amazing to get to, to get to know him as a baby and to watch him grow into, into being a service dog, which it's been amazing, his transformation in the last six months. Necessity is definitely the mother of invention, isn't it? Yes, yes, uh, yeah. And you just have to be open, you know, and just be willing to, again, adapt. And, and again, what does a disability teach you but how to be flexible and adapt? So <laughs> that's for sure. I think that's one of the, the beauties of having a disability. It helps you learn to cope with lots of things that other people may struggle with. Yes, that's but right. Yeah, it's been an adventure. You need to think out of the box. Right. Think outside the box. Just go with the flow, yeah? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well yeah. That, so, International Assistance Dog Week is August 2nd to 8th this year? I believe so. Yeah. Honestly, Devin, I'd have to check. <laughs> I think it's every year. Yep. And I'll tell you, um, the way I came up with August is actually I grew up in the South, and those are the dog days. I grew up knowing those are the dog days of summer. Yes. So that's why I always chose the first week of August, the first full week of August, are the dog days. And so that's why I chose that date. Oh, that's great. It's dog week, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you're going to be busy that week, I'm sure. Yes, yes. We're going to be doing all kinds of different things. And we're actually, yeah, having a different speakers and doing a conference. Assistant Dogs of the West is doing some different things. So, yeah, it's wonderful. Virtually? Well, yes. We are doing a conference um, actually specific to courthouse dogs. Oh. Um, I don't know, yeah, if you're familiar with those yes. assistance dogs, they, as you may know, work with children in the court system, mm-hmm. um, children who have been abused, and so we're doing a conference on August 6th and 7th for courthouse dog handlers, uh, where we're having all kinds of wonderful speakers. We have Dr. Singleton, who works with ECAD. Um, that you may know that that service dog and an assistance dog organization um, in, on the East Coast. They're wonderful. Okay. He's speaking, and Dr. Wynn is speaking about his book, Dog is Love. Um, so lots of great speakers. We're really excited about it. And, yes, it's all virtual. Terrific. 
can <clears throat> other people uh, register, or can they uh, can they uh, phone in, or whatever? If they yes, they they can actually. If they want to contact me, um, and they can contact me at workinglikedogs at gmail dot com if they're interested, and I will give them the information and help them get registered. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Marcy, for chatting with us, and uh, good luck once again with uh, International Assistance Dog Week. And uh, it'll be good to uh, hear what other people in various countries around the world are doing. Will they um, post that sort of thing on a website? Um, yes, people can go to International Assistance Dog Week's website. Um, and there's information there. You know, there's so many things going on, Devin, that we used to post them all, but now there are so many we can't keep up with them. Uh -huh. So there's, but there's definitely information. There's um, proclamations. There's sample um, press releases. If people want to use them, all that information is on there, and it's free to download. So really encourage people to check that out. So that's International Assistance Dog Week dot org. Org. Okay. Terrific. Well, they can get more ideas that way and maybe translate them into something that they can do at home. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So much fun. Well, thanks so much for uh, chatting with us again, Marcy. And all the best. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's always a pleasure to be here and visit with you. Thank you so much. If you're a regular listener to the show, you will probably have heard interviews with people with various types of assistance dogs. Most of them were trained at the Lions Foundation of Canada Dog Guide Training Center, which is in Oakville, Ontario. I didn't get my dog from uh, the uh, school in Oakville. I uh, got mine from, uh, because mine is a guide dog, I got mine from uh, Canadian Guide Dogs for the Blind in Manatic, Ontario. But a couple of years ago, as I say, I had the opportunity to, to go to the school in Oakville as an attendant for a friend of mine who was training with her new service dog. My guide dog, after we got home, or while he was there actually, he kept a, a diary of what happened uh, from day to day. And uh, when he got home, he wrote an article called A Frankie Assessment of Service Dog Training. So, I thought this, I know we've played it before, but I thought this might be a good time for us to hear that article again. A Frankie Assessment of Service Dog Training. My name is Frankie Wilkins. My mom's name is Devon, and I'm her fourth guide dog. In June of 2018, mom's friend Gwen went to the Lions Foundation of Canada Dog Guide Training Center in Oakville, Ontario to train with her third service dog. Mom was her caregiver, just as she was when Aunt Gwen trained with Faust eight years ago. Day one. We arrived at the school on the Monday afternoon. In the evening, we met the other students and got an orientation to the center. Day two. 
At 9 in the morning, serious training began with the training game. Each student took turns playing the role of first the trainer and then the dog. The purpose of the game was to show how well dogs respond to positive enforcement as opposed to negative input. They were also introduced to the collar, the leash, and the halty equipment that they will be using when they get their dogs. In the afternoon, the students learned the commands heel, sit, down, and behind. Later, they practiced short routes, first with trainers playing the role of dogs, and then with real dogs. They finished the day by discussing the value of different rewards, all the way from a pat on the head to a toy with a treat inside. Day 3. When we gathered this morning, everyone in the class received dogs to practice with. Next came a discussion of how to relieve their new dogs. After lunch, the class discussed both treats and treat pouches, as well as the various types of crates. Then, just before the afternoon break, the students were told that at 3 p.m., they should put the leashes and collars they had received before lunch on the outside of their room doors, and leave their doors unlocked. Mom was asked to put me on the leash. Shortly after the appointed hour, there was a knock at the door, and in walked a yellow lab golden cross female named Persia and it was love at first sight even if it wasn't the black male lab that Aunt Gwen wanted. Just before supper the dogs were taken back to their kennels with the promise that they would be back for good tomorrow morning. Day 4. As promised, the students' new dogs returned, and the class learned the command come. The students were advised to reward their dogs handsomely in order to ensure that their dogs would be reliable. The class spent the rest of that day practicing come, as well as all the commands that they had learned previously. Day 5. The new command for today was stay. The trainers emphasized that stay should only be used when the students planned to return to their dogs within the next minute or two. Here again, the students were advised to reward handsomely in order to increase reliability from their dogs. Day 6. Mom and I weren't actually in the classroom today because Mom was laid up with a back spasm, but we could hear the students enticing their dogs to push. The dogs were practicing pushing buttons in order to open the automatic doors. Day 7. Today was a day off because it was Sunday. Day 8. Following the planned fire drill, the class learned the command tugs. Each of the cupboard doors have ties on them which they use to pull the doors open. In the evening, each dog was allowed to be off-leash for 15 minutes. Day 9. The class began the day by learning the command nudge, which used to be a push. The students did a circuit of closing cupboard doors, as well as doors for the fridge and the dryer. Then came a walk to Starbucks, but Mom and I didn't go. At one point during the afternoon, the dogs practiced barking for help. Everyone did very well. After supper, each team had individual playtime for 15 minutes. They were able to spend the night out of their kennels, and Persia was very good, even when I barked because something startled me. Day 10. Before our special guest joined us, we had a talk about introducing dogs to pets already in the home. The students were instructed not to force the animals to become friends. If the dog insists on bothering the cat, for example, the cat will gain the dog's respect by swatting it. The students were advised not to try to introduce their dogs to other pets such as rodents, reptiles, or birds. In the case of other dogs, students should introduce them in a neutral area such as outside. We were then joined by Cheddar, a small bronze-colored cat from the puppy training facility in Breslau. The students were encouraged to offer their dogs higher value treats when introducing them to pet cats. This afternoon, the teams learned the command fetch. The dogs did very well with fetching two cases for glasses and an old cell phone. Tomorrow morning, both individual and class pictures will be taken. Day 11. Just prior to lunch, the class discussed both fundraising and what is and isn't an emergency. After lunch, the class met for a visit to Fortino's and Baskin Robbins. From what I hear, the dogs didn't get to share in the ice cream that was consumed. Day 12. 
This morning the class was instructed to string skills together such as tugs, fetch, and nudge. Later each team went to the lounge. The students were instructed to hide and then call so that the dog could practice finding them. This afternoon we went to Pet Value where the trainers showed us which bones, cogs, etc. are safest and which to avoid. Day 13. This morning the class practiced fetching from a distance. The trainers told the students that they could ask their dogs to fetch named items such as pens, keys, phones, etc. from distances starting with a couple of feet and increasing by degrees from there, all depending on the dog's level of comfort. They also worked on the command go-get where the dogs can be trained to actually seek out a named person, nuzzle that person, and bring that person back to its handler. The class also practiced take it and go give where the handler asks the dog to take an article and give it to a named person. The teams were encouraged to practice that exercise at increasing distances. With regard to the command tugs, the students were advised that they could ask their dogs to help with removing such articles of clothing as jackets, mittens, and socks. The day ended with a walk to the park where they practiced some more fetching. Day 14. The class traveled to Oakville Place Mall by public transit. There, they practiced using elevators and walking through the mall. We had lunch in the food court, paid for by Dog Guides of Canada. On our return to the center, the class practiced clapping to see how the dogs would react. After dinner, the class, minus the trainers, got together to write a brief speech which will be read at tomorrow night's graduation. The student chosen to give the speech had originally planned to just wing it, as he put it, but it had to be submitted in writing so that members of the hearing dog program can read what is being said. Day 15. The last day of training was a day for tying up loose ends. Each student was asked which skill they would like to practice. When the class had been advised as to how that evening would unfold, the students were encouraged to go for a walk of some kind. Aunt Gwen, Persia, Mom and I went to the park, but we didn't stay long because it was beginning to rain. That evening, students from the service dog program, the hearing dog program, the guide dog program, the seizure response dog program, and the diabetic alert dog program all received their graduation packages. Tomorrow, morning and Gwen, Mom, and I will be headed home with Persia. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is the first Monday in August, and that means that it's time for Get Together with Kim, which is our monthly feature about technology. Kim Kilpatrick is a coordinator with Get Together with Technology, which is a wing of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And this time we focused on one particular product. Well, here we are again, the first of the month, and it's time to talk to Kim Kilpatrick of Get Together With Technology. Hi, Kim, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Devin? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's uh already coming up to August. Yes, well, by the time people hear this, it will be August for sure. It will be August. Yeah, yeah. So this month, we thought we'd talk about the Instant Pot. Um, How long have, what is that, uh, Kim, and how long have you had yours? So the Instant Pot was actually developed in Canada. I think maybe even in Ottawa, although not 100% sure it's totally developed in Ottawa, uh, several years ago. And it is a combination, really, slow cooker, pressure cooker. Uh, I think you can make yogurt in it. I've never done that. And it also you can saute in it. It's, it's, it's very, very versatile. 
that you can use it for a bunch of things. And when I first heard about it, somebody said it's totally accessible, it's really great, it's a pressure cooker, and I just got so afraid because I don't know if you remember, but I remember that my grandmother had a pressure cooker when we were growing up, and she used it a lot, and I hated, there was a sound that the... The little thing made when the pressure cooker was on. I yes. don't even know. It's like tick, tick, almost like a ticking of a bombshell or something. <laughs> and I hated it. I was scared it was going to explode or something. I, I don't know. I just, I didn't like being around it at all. Yes. Um, did you, do you remember? The I sure do. Yeah. And I also remember chicken all over our ceiling. Yes, yes. So yes. A, a friend, a relative of mine, um, yeah, had big beans, I think, went all over, oh, <laughs> all over the place. So it really scared me because the thought of the pressure and, and you know, no, I was not interested in it. And then I kept hearing more things about it. And then I read about it. So they have different sizes. And some of them, I don't know, the very little ones didn't have the app and the accessibility with the app itself. So the one I have is not the new one. So there was one that came out, and some of them were not working all that well, so they they made a new version uh, which connects. I don't know if it is found on your Wi-Fi network or something. It's, it's a little bit different. But the one I have is an older version, and it does connect um, through the app. But you can also um, press buttons and Every time you do, they beep. So you could label the buttons. You could do it without the app if, if you want to. Okay. So the thing that I read that made me more amenable to it is that if you have it connected, and once you put the lid on and turn it on to pressure cook something, you cannot open the lid until the, it's safe, you know, once the pressure has come all the way down. Yeah. If you try to open the lid, it's locked, and you cannot even open the lid. Wow. So it's not like the old ones where you could technically, if you, if someone wanted to, I guess, open the lid, they <laughs> could do it. So it's not like that. It's, it's really safe in that way because it's, you know, it won't let you open the lid until it's safe. And if you're using the app, it will tell you, you know, when the pressure is None, again, like it tells okay. you the pressure level, the temperature level. So when the te pressure level's high, you know, and then it, it tells you when it's, when it's finished, like when it's totally okay to open. So then I felt comfortable with that because I thought, well, yeah, that, that, that seems to be safe. And I think it is very safe, and I, I really do like it uh, for a few reasons. One is that, the thing with the pressure cooker. The other is if you're making a recipe where... You have to saute something first and then put it in, in a frying pan and then put it in the pot and then add things to it and, you know, make, make something like make chili or make something like that. Say you were saute the onions and the, the meat or something and then put the other stuff. In this, you can do everything in that one pot. Uh -huh. You can put in your things first to brown them and set the the cooker to saute and then you just do that and then you pour everything else in and then you set it to slow cooker, pressure cooker, whatever you want to do so that 
you don't have to use all different pots and also you don't have to pour hot things into the other pot. You just change the, the settings on the Instant Pot to make it into the next thing you want. Mm -hmm. So I really love that. And if you don't have a lot of space, it's one pot for slow cooker, pressure cooker, that saute, you know, thing. So, and it's quite deep. So if you were sautéing, it's not going to splash up, you know, splash up on you. So I really like it for those reasons. I like that I can control it with the app, and I, it has recipes even within the app. They're right in there, but you can use pretty much any pressure cooker or recipe or slow cooker recipe that you have. You can, you can use those recipes too. And on uh, summer that's been so hot as we've had it, yes, uh, uh, it's nice not to turn your stoves on too much. That's for sure. This, this means your your kitchen and stuff doesn't doesn't get hot because it's just plugged in. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. I like it for all of those reasons. I really, really like it for sure. And there's a separate setting for slow cooker and pressure cooker. Is it? Is there? Yeah. So within the app, um, there are different settings in the app. So uh, there's settings for, it'll tell you settings for different things like rice. Oh, it's also a rice cooker. So oh. You can use it as a rice cooker. So okay. there's, there's rice, there's porridge, there's meat and poultry. Like it'll say different things, but it also says like slow cook, pressure cook, or saute or yogurt maker, which I've, I've never done that. But, you know, so within the app, it's very accessible. You would set it to the thing that you want. You would set it to the time that you want. Um, and if you set it, say, to rice, it will kind of tell you a time that it thinks it would be good or something ah. like that. But, but I... But you can set it to a time. If you say, I want slow cook for three hours or whatever. And then within the app, you can see how much time you have left. And when it's finished, the time, it will give a few beeps so that you also know, I mean, that the, pre the cooker itself gives you a few beeps. Oh, yeah. And it also has two beeping patterns. So when you close the lid, Especially for pressure cooker, it's really important that, you know, you close the lid properly. Yeah. But when it's closed properly, it, it gives some tones. Ah. And so that's good. And when you open it, it also, you know, gives some tones. So it is pretty accessible. I, I know that at first they didn't necessarily know that or think of it. Um, but then I think blind people were telling them this is a very good, good tool for us. So they, they've been pretty good, they've been really good about making sure that the app stays accessible, but also that I think even the little ones, because you can get some tiny little ones. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, really small ones. This one is quite big. I, I don't remember the, the quarts or, or yeah. whatever the, the size, but um, the small ones, are not, they don't have an app with them, but all of the buttons beep because I know someone who has a really small one. Okay. And um, when you press the button, it beeps. So you would just count the number of beeps and know, oh, if I press it three times, it's going to be rice cooker. If I press it one time, it's going to be pressure cooker or whatever, those things. So yeah. 
I think all of them are quite accessible. Uh, the one that ha that works with the app is the most accessible in some ways if you have a smart device to use use the app. But if you don't, you could still use it. You would just have to get someone to help you at first to know how many beeps. You'd have to record maybe this is what happens when I press one beep. This is what happens oh, yes. when I do that. Um, so it is apparently accessible, but you just would need some help to kind of figure that out. Yeah. Um, but I do really love it. I love it. I have used it as a rice cooker too and a slow cooker and a pressure cooker and a saute. Mm -hmm. And so it has an outer pot that kind of feels sort of like a metal metal pot, I guess. Okay. And then it has an inner one, which is like... Uh, like one that you could put in the dishwasher or something, you know, it's it's a kind of a glass. Yeah. So it is the glass one, you know, you clean the other one a bit, but the other one doesn't get dirty. And when you're touching it, um, it's warm, you know, when you're touching it, if it's slow cooking or pressure cooking. The side is warm, but it's not burning hot. You know, you, you don't uh, get a burning hot sensation when you touch the side. Oh, that's good. But one thing, though, um, just be careful when you open the lid. I guess like with any of those kinds of things, just don't lean your face right over. <laughs> no. So when, you, when you open the lid, sort of turn your face away to make sure you're not getting a bunch of steam coming up into your face. For sure. Uh, you know, I. but that's just sort of standard, I guess, when you're when you're doing, you know, yeah. kind of things. You know, you want to smell it sometimes. <laughs> you know, I remember the first time I ever used, I don't know if it was a slow cooker. I don't know what it was. And I was like, oh, it smells so good. And I leaned my face. I didn't burn my face, but there was, it was really hot steam, you know, going into yeah. your face. <laughs> like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. So just be a bit careful when you're, you know, lifting the lid and opening the lid. Right. But... Um, but it's very good. I really, really like it a lot. That's good. And does it matter whether you have uh, an Android or an iDevice? No, I, I don't know. I, I, I hear the Android app is totally accessible. I, I don't use Android, so I don't know it, but I do know that the iDevice app is accessible. And it doesn't have to be an iPhone. So if you have an iPad only or an iPod Touch, you know, it, it doesn't have to have that cell data. You just, uh, you download, you search for instant pot on the app store. When I download it on my list of apps, it says smart cooker. Oh, okay. I don't, like, it, 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 that's, but I don't know. I just search for instant pot, and I looked, and it was. So you do have to pair it when you first um, get it. And I, I won't go through that because I think the newer one, it may be a bit different than the one I have. So I'm not sure. But it it does have help sections in the app. And, um, like, it's it's pretty good. The user guide, they tell you how to do everything. So you would have to pair it the first time, but I've never had to pair it, you know, since that time I haven't had to. Right. And and it also, I think it's really good if you're, if you're deafblind and using a Braille display, like if you use a Braille display with your iDevice, yeah. 
because um, I have used my Braille display to see how much time is left and what the temperature says it is and what the what the pressure level is or um, to turn it on and stuff. Right. If you're deafblind, you wouldn't be able to hear the beeps, but you would be able to use it with your Braille display connected to right. your phone. So that's a very good thing because, you know, a deafblind person wouldn't know the beeps, but they would they would get the notifications or they would see how much time is left for cooking. And yeah. So that's, that's very good for them, I think, too. Do you happen to have any favorite recipes? Well, I've done a lot of different things from there. And like I said, almost any slow cooker recipe or pressure cooker recipe, and I did get some books uh, from Bookshare or... Like, even through Sheila Library, you can get Bookshare books. Just even pressure cooker books or slow cooker books that you can look through the recipes. Oh, yeah. I do like, um, I like the way chili and cat, like, kind of chili and those kind of casserole-type things come out in those. Yeah. Those chili, um, beans, you know, uh, um, those kind of things I've made a lot in it. And it's, it's kind of nice. I think you can also delay the start. I think you could delay the start if you wanted it to start later, if you were out. But I haven't tried that. I don't know. Right. Because I just, I just do it when I want to start it, and I start it. Yeah. So I've made a lot of things like that, you know, kind of kind of stew, chicken stew or beef stew or chili. Um, yeah. And any of your favorite recipes that you've done, like in the slow cooker, you can do in there, or you can do a look in the pressure cooker books. And, and they do have several recipes right within the app. They have a bunch, and it says the ingredients, and it tells you everything about it. So I made a few of those, too. Oh, that's good. I made porridge in it. That was good. Oh, yes. I like to think about chili and stew and porridge this time of <laughs> I don't like to, but... No. It's, uh, yeah, definitely. I've made those things in and they, and they turned out really well. And I made rice in it and that, that turned out really well too. So, um, yeah, I, I love it. It's, it's a really good, it's a really good tool to have if you can. And, um, I don't know how much the new model is. So I can't really tell you, but, uh, in a way it's worthwhile because it does so many things. And, and I really feel it's been good. It has not broken or anything happened to mine. So I really, really love it a lot. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for chatting with us. And, oh, you're uh, very welcome. Bon appétit um, yes. for when you make more uh, recipes in your instant pot. You can get them most places, can you? I think so, yes. Um I got mine a few years ago, and I don't remember where, but yes, definitely, most places will have them if you just do a search, you know, for them. I think, um, I think Canadian Tire had them and some of the major places, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think you definitely you can. Yeah. Well, that's good then. All right. I don't know what we'll talk about next month, but... Uh Hey, next month, well, back to school. I don't know if there's anything about that we want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe we could talk about 
reading or writing apps or something, or I don't know. Yeah, like maybe a voice dream. Voice dream, yeah. We could talk about voice dream reader and writer or yeah. voice one of them or something like that, yeah. Right. Okay, well, we'll give it some thought, and if you have any ideas, let me know, and I'll and do If anyone some. else gives you suggestions, let me know. Yeah, that'll be good. I, I do hope people will feel comfortable about suggesting something they'd like to hear more about. And all they have to do is send an email to insightpeterborough at gmail.com. Yeah, and if your listeners are listening and it seems like we're speaking a foreign language to you, if you want to know even how we do things, you know, how blind people use technology and what we mean by some of these things that we talk about, don't be shy to ask about that because we can, we can tell you. Yes. Uh, or they could even call you. Could they there in Ottawa? Yeah. Uh-huh. What number should they use? Uh, if they want to call and ask about technology and get help with it or even advice for people that they know, sometimes we get calls for people, relatives of people who are losing vision and asking, you know, what would they need or what would they, could they use that works, they can call 1-800, no, 1-877-304-0968, and they can ask for GTT program or ask for me or someone within that, that group. Um, if they want to email, they can email gttprogram at gmail.com, and you'll get me. So if anyone does want to ask questions or ask questions about tech for people that they know or relatives that they have that are, or themselves, uh, we're always happy to take that information. Okay. Well, thanks, Kim, and have a, a good month of August. Yes. Yes, you too. Thank you. We have a little time left, so why don't we listen once again to the demonstration of the Google Home Smart Speaker. Welcome to Cool Blind Tech. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Cool Blind Tech podcast. I'm James Oates, and today I will be demonstrating the Google Home voice-activated speaker. In a previous podcast, I showed you how to set it up and went over all the different configurations available in the Google Home app. But today, we're just going to demonstrate the Google Home in action so you get an idea of what it's like. You activate the Google Home by saying OK or Hey, followed by Google, with your question that you want asked. All right, without further ado, hey, Google, what time is it? The time is 2.28 p.m. Hey, Google, what's the weather like? In Merritt Island, it's 79 and partly cloudy. It will be mostly sunny there today with a forecasted high of 79 and a low of 65. Hey, Google, what's the number for Pizza Hut? The phone number for Pizza Hut on 185 N. Courtenay Parkway in Merritt Island is 321-454-4000. Hey, Google, what's the meaning of life, the universe, and everything? between 41 and 43. Hey Google, how old is Douglas Adams? Douglas Adams was 49 years old when he died in 2001. Hey Google, play Black Velvet by Alana Miles. Alright, Black Velvet by Alana Miles. Playing on Spotify. 
Hey, Google. Play the top songs from 2011. All right. Here's a Spotify playlist called Top 100 Tracks from 2011 USA. Hey, Google. Play WDAE on iHeartRadio. Sure. Here's 620 WDAE on iHeartRadio. Is down the road as you get older. Dr. Hunt's Clinic is the first in the Bay Area that can diagnose a ligament tear without having to get an MRI. If you've had an MRI done, you know how annoying it could be in the claustrophobic space. Hey, Google. Play 98.5 on TuneIn. Streaming Christian FM from TuneIn. Hey, Google. Play the podcast Cool Blind Tech. Here's the latest episode of Cool Blind Tech VIP live from the Mobile World Gaming Assistive Tech Convention. Hey, reporting. Jessica, are you ever planning on coming down to CSUN? You know, when I lived in California, I never made it to CSUN. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I'll make it. It'd be nice to get your feedback. Hey, Google. I'm feeling lucky. A game show? Yes. Hold on, let me get all my stuff together. Welcome to Are You Feeling Lucky? I'll go ahead and assume you're feeling lucky and start the show. <laughs> On top of being your Google Assistant, I'm the host of this silly show. How many want to play this time? One. It's just you and me then. I'll give you five questions. As luck would have it, your random nickname is Dolphin. Ready or not, the game is starting. If for any reason you want to end the game early, say stop. History is the subject. When was Bill Clinton's inauguration? 1981. 1993. Or 2001? 1993. <laughs> Good, Dolphin. Good. Question two has arrived. Hey, Google. Stop. Are you sure you want to quit? Yes. All right. See you next time. Hey, Google. What's on my calendar for today? Today, there is only one thing on your calendar. It's at 3 p.m. and its title is Record Google Home Podcast. Hey, Google. Set a 30-second timer. Okay. 30 seconds. Starting now. Hey, Google. Stop timer. Hey, Google. Get me an Uber. Sure. Here's Uber. Hi, this is Uber. Would you like to use Skylark Avenue as your pickup location? Cancel. Sure, canceled. Hey Google, start iHeartRadio Awards voting. Sure, here's iHeartRadio Awards voting. Hi again, it's Seacrest. Ready to vote for the iHeartRadio Music Awards? Most powerful female voice? Yes. That's what I like to hear. Let's do it. The nominees for most powerful female voice are Rihanna, Adele, Beyonce, Ariana Grande, Carrie Underwood, and Florence Welsh of Florence and the Machine. Now, the question is, who would you like to vote for? Rihanna. All right, your vote for Rihanna, done. Thank you for your vote. Don't forget to tune in to our iHeartRadio Music Awards Sunday, March 5th, 8 Eastern and 5 Pacific on TBS, TNT, and True TV. 
or on your iHeartRadio app. Thanks again. Take care. I had to vote for Rihanna, right? She was the first person to ever uh, include a album cover completely in Braille for her uh, album uh, Anti. Hey, Google, tell me a joke. One joke. Coming up, I have a pet tree. It's kind of like having a pet dog, but the bark is quieter. <laughs> hey, Google, sing me a song. Hey, Google, play CNN. Streaming CNN from TuneIn. NFL fans looking for a special gift for the football fan in your life? Visit nflphotostore.nfl.com, the league's official online photo store. Hey, Google, stop. Can't even play the commercials. Hey, Google, what's my day look like? Good afternoon, James. The time is 2.40 p.m. The weather in Merritt Island currently is 79 degrees and partly cloudy with a high of 79 degrees. Your commute to work is currently 60 minutes with light traffic if you take FL 528 West by car. Today at 3 p.m., you have record Google Home podcast. Have a good one. Here's the latest news from NPR News Summary at 2 p.m. today. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. President Trump is widely expected hey, to Google. get a bounce in his... Next track. From Fox News at 2 p.m. today. Fox News Radio. Hey, Google. Stop. Okay, and it would just keep going through my news. Hey, Google. Play Captain America Civil War. All right. Captain America Civil War from Netflix. Playing on Fire Swamp. Day. A vast, flat, icy plain beneath a cloudy gray sky. A wide mountain looms on the horizon. A caption reads 1991. On the mountaintop is a military base. Three large hatches lie flush with the snow-swept ground. Inside the base, two guards simultaneously turn keys either side of a heavy metal door. The double doors open outwards, revealing a gray wall housing a safe. In camouflage fatigues and a red beret, Colonel Karpov strides towards the safe. Then keys in a code, 17826. The safe hatch, which bears the Hydra Octopus skull symbol. Hey Google, play BuzzFeed on YouTube using Fire Swamp. Sure, playing BuzzFeed from YouTube on Fire Swamp. for coming out here to the Squad Wars live stream on BuzzFeed Video. Give it up for yourselves in the audience. Thanks for being here. Okay, Google. Stop. Okay. If you uh, were wondering what Fire Swamp is, that's the name I've given to my uh, Chromecast television. I'm using Chromecast Ultra to connect my TV to the Wi-Fi network, and I can cast uh, Netflix and YouTube videos to that. Hey, Google. Play Katy Perry on Pandora. Playing the Pandora station called Katy Perry. Hey Google, stop. Hey Google, shop for paper towels. Okay, here's something from Costco on Google Express. I can get brawny, extra large, pick a size paper towels, 12 rolls of 80 sheets for $21.29 after tax. Should I order that? No. 
All right, so you can also shop online if you register with Google Express. Um, you just uh, go into Google Home app. You can do everything through there. You can sign up for Google Shopping now. It's a new feature. Um, and you can uh, enter your payment, default payment information, and it'll just go ahead and ship to you. Well, we are going ahead and wrap it up here. If you have any questions, you can contact us at cbt at coolblindtech.com. You can contact me directly at james at coolblindtech.com. Follow us on Twitter at coolblindtech. And, of course, like us on Facebook. All right. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I will talk to you again very soon. Say goodbye, Google. Goodbye, Google. And it's now time for me to say goodbye, too. Have yourself a good week, and thanks so much for listening. I look forward to chatting with you again next week. Bye for now.